honey? All the time. God is good. Amen. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Ecclesiastes. And I won't ask you if you knew if that was a Bible or a book in the Bible or not, but it is. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you have your Bibles with you or if you grab the Bible in the pew rack in front of you, it's on page 474 in your pew Bible there. It'll be on the screen here in just a moment as we read together from God's Word. But I believe that in these last four weeks that God has given me here as your lead pastor, that He has placed four messages on my heart that I want to share with you to hopefully encourage you, to hopefully bring you hope, to bring you something to look forward to, something to continue on this journey together. And so today I've entitled this message, A Place to Belong, A Place to Belong. And I just want to, once again, welcome those of you that are here with us this morning here to to PCN. We're glad you're here. And if you're visiting with us, whether it's to see family over the holidays, we're glad you're here. If you're looking for a church home, we're glad that you're here. This is a place where we believe you belong. We believe that God is moving on on this place that we call Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene. All in favor, say aye. Good. I'm glad. I was a little worried there for a minute. Just, I'm just kidding. I know that God is moving, and I'm so glad that He is doing that. There are so many things in our world that try to get our attention, that try to clamor for recognition in our lives. The world is constantly pulling at us and tugging at us for us to remember that it or they or whatever it may be that's trying to grab our attention says that it has value, that it has something for us, that it has a place to draw us to. And there's so many things, some, some good things, some very, very bad things. And the church is no different. The church is a place where we want to not only just get your attention, and we don't want to do it with bells and whistles and entertainment, but we want to do it with the key to what everyone is searching for. Amen? And that's Jesus Christ. So I'm here to tell you this morning that PCN, Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene, is a place for you to belong. We can strive and strive to make decisions in our life that will either draw us to our faith and to Jesus Christ, or we make decisions that take us further away from Him. It's decisions that we make in our lives. And in this time as a church where we're about to enter into a time of transition, a time of change, a time of of the unknown and uncertainty, I want to encourage you today that now is not the time to check out. Now is not the time to go see something else. Now is the time more than ever to commit to commit to staying committed to PCN and to the Lord. Amen? Why do we need this reminder today? I believe it's important for us to remember that church is one of those things that we can kind of put on a, put on a shelf from time to time. We can, we can go, we can connect, we can engage with our church family, and we can enjoy it, or we can kind of just put it aside. Well, I don't really need to go to church. I, I've heard this probably more in the last year than I have in, in all the time in my ministry. But they'll say to me, Pastor, you're a pastor. You know better than anybody that you don't need the church to be a Christian. 
And I, I know what they're trying to say, but they're saying it to somebody who doesn't believe that. Because I believe that as Christians, we need one another. We need brothers and sisters. We need a community that says, you know what? I'm going to accept you as you are, but I'm going to introduce you to somebody who's going to change you. I'm not going to change you. The church isn't going to change you. People think that. They get the misconceived notion that we want people to come into church so we can give you our list of regulations and rules and obligations. And really what we're saying is no, but I want to introduce you to somebody who loves you no matter what and that wants you to live the best life that you can. So I believe that PCN is a place for you to belong to. Church is more than just a building. Church is more than just a location that we come to meet. Church is a gathering of people that come together for a common purpose. And that common purpose in the church are the things of God. And so therefore, church is a place to belong. I want you to think about this as it pertains to the history of our world, but also in biblical history. Clear back to when Abraham was leading his family. And eventually he was leading the nation of Israel. God spoke to him about gathering people together. Why did this happen? I believe it's because people desired, even clear back in the history of the world, people desire to be a part of something. We desire and long to belong to something bigger than ourselves. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life when I, when I take a pause and I think back and I think in the think back on my life and where God has brought me, but I think about the present situation and I say, God, there's something bigger than just me going on right now. There's something bigger than just what I have on my calendar or on my agenda or on my to-do list. There's something bigger, and I want to be part of something bigger than myself. And why not be something, be part of something that are the things of God? Amen? Church is is not just a gathering point. Church is a place to belong. But also we need to realize this. Church is not just a place to gather and a place to belong, but church really is people. Church is people. Church is not about this place or this structure where we meet, this building. You see, this building and this campus that God has given us is a blessing. Amen? But the church, the building, the campus is a tool that God wants to use for us to gather together as his people. This reminder came all too close to us that the church is about people when over the last two years we've had times and there's churches even this very day as I say these words, there's churches in our community that are online only. We've, we've had opportunity to go online and to, to share as the church where we've had to physically, we've called it physically distance. We don't like social distancing because we still need to be social, but we've had to be a part in, in the physical. And there's churches today, there's three churches that I know of in our city right now, in the city proper, that are not meeting in person today. So much more than any other time in our world right now, we should be realizing that the church is about you and me. It's about our neighbor it's about those that are watching online, that those, are, those of you that are here in person. The church is not just a place to come to, but the church is you and me. The church is people. 
God created us in his image and likeness. Why? Because he created us for relationship. Church is about the community of people that believe in God and want to live for him to the best of their abilities. Church is a place to belong. Church is people. And guess what? If you're here today, you are a real person. Any robots in the house today? <laughs> One. Okay. We'll pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> You're a real person. You're breathing air. You got up and made a decision to come here today. You are a real person. I like to say it this way, and I, I kept saying this over and over as I was preparing this message. You are real people. You are real. Here at PCN, it's our goal to connect and engage with who? With real people. Why? For real relationships so that we can experience real encounters with God. So if this is our goal, we've had to define some of these things. And I believe if church is a place for you to belong and church is people and you are real people, here are some things we've had to define. What does it mean to be a real person? Real people have some characteristics that we're looking for. See if any of these apply to you today. Real people have real needs. Real people have real hurts. Real people experience real victory. Real people face real situations on a day-in and day-out basis. Real people go through ups and downs in life. They experience great success and sometimes great pains. Maybe you've experienced some of these things. Real people go through death and divorce and marriage, new babies, baptisms, seeing family get saved. You see, there's a whole roller coaster of experiences that we go through. Why? Because we're real people. And I want you to know something. If you are a real person that has any of those characteristics today, then you belong here. I thought we'd get more amens there. Church is a place to belong. Church is people. You are a real person and you belong here. I want to encourage you, though, to not just take my word for it. I don't want you just to read some... some some phrase on a bulletin or some phrase on paperwork. I want you to hear what the God's Word has to say about what it means to belong to something bigger than ourselves. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 7. You follow along as I read from God's Word this morning. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone without a child or a brother yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. 
Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. See, the first thing I believe that we need to realize today about being the church being a place where we belong is this. It's meaningless, God's word says, to be alone. It's meaningless to be alone. Have you ever heard the saying, no man is an island? Anybody ever hear that saying? couple of you, so I'm not going to ask the next question, and I'm just going to tell you. This saying was first said by a a man by the name of John Don. What a name, John Don. He lived from 1572 to 1631, and he wrote a poem that basically says this theme, we are better together. The church, Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene, and the community of faith here in Pittsfield, I want you to know something. We need you. It's meaningless for us to be alone. It's meaningless for us to try to do things on our own. Sometimes, though, our desire as as a Christian, at least I've felt this, maybe you have as well, sometimes I think it would be easier if I could live this life of faith by myself. I've said this from the pulpit at another church, and I guess I can say it here, and what do I got to lose, right? Um... If it weren't for people, this life would be easy. I'm included in that. It's hard living with people, isn't it? It's hard living in relationship with others. And so even as we come to know Christ and and Christ begins to transform our lives, we think, man, this is really cool. I wish I could find like-minded people that I can live life with and walk this journey with. Oh, wait, there's a whole community of them out there. But then there's times where we get into the church because we think, oh, we're all these like-minded people. We're on this journey together. And then somebody in the church has the nerve to hurt us. And we think it's all meaningless. What's the point? It'd be easier if I could just be me and Jesus. Let's just go for a walk together. Let's just do this on our own. But that's not how God intended it. God did not want us to be alone. He did not want us to be isolated. Why do we do this when no real person is meant to live life on an island? I believe that fear is a major player in this meaningless trek to be alone. Our past hurts cause us to want to isolate. They cause us to want to be by ourselves. Why is it that we want to be alone? I think it's because we, we like to do things ourselves without others being involved. Involved, Or maybe we have, if we're willing to admit it and talk it out, maybe we have fear of relationships, fear of failure or rejection, fear of the unknown. I think fear is a, is a huge catalyst in why we try to live life isolated and alone. You see, I'm, I'm an introvert, and some people say, well, I'm an introvert, that's why I like to be alone. And, and I used to think that, I used to say that, but that's not really the way in, being an introvert works. You see, I'm an introvert, and I'm, I'm proud to be an introvert, if I can be proud to be an introvert, I guess. But what that really means is that I gain energy when I'm alone. I, I've had to learn, I've had, I, I classify myself, if I can do that, by saying I'm a, a learned extrovert. 
It's like, how can a pastor be an introvert if you're around all these people all the time? If you ever watch me closely, when I'm in a group of people, even if you, like last Sunday night when we're over in the family center and we're having this Christmas party, all this fun stuff and all these people around, I always am trying to get my back to a wall. Even when I'm with people. Why? Because I don't ever want to be in the center of that. I, people drain me, if I can be honest with you. I go home on Sundays and I, I crash. But it's not that I don't love to be here. I've learned that I love to be around people. You see, but I gain energy in my life to be able to be around people when I'm alone. I gain energy when I can refuel and recharge. So then I can come back. You see, there was this one weekend we were living in Kansas City and, and uh, I was, my, my wife took the kids and she was going uh, for the long weekend to go back to her parents' house and, and I had to stay back. I don't remember the exact reason why, but I had the whole weekend to myself in our, in our little condo there in Kansas City. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get off work Friday because I had the whole place to myself. You know, I could eat whatever I wanted. I could watch whatever I wanted on TV. I could do whatever I wanted. And I didn't have to answer to anybody else's schedule. I was so excited. That excitement lasted about one night. Because the next day, I got pretty lonely. And by Sunday, I couldn't wait to get to church. Why? Because I needed people. I needed interaction. Well, why? You're an introvert. You could just be a hermit and just stay in. Yeah, but we weren't designed for that. We were designed for relationship. We were designed to belong to something. You see, we crave human interaction. The author of this passage says it's meaningless and even depressing to be alone. What this author is saying is that it's meaningless and depressing to be alone and live life thinking that we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, to gain whatever we want. But why? What for? Why do we work so hard to get whatever we want to what? Just enjoy it by ourselves? It can become depressing and isolating when we don't have someone to share life with. You know, we were able to get away yesterday as a family and we went to watch one of the new movies that just came out called American Underdog uh, about Kurt Warner and his, his life story. And, and it was really cool because they talked about uh, Kurt Warner's, if you know anything about Kurt Warner, he is a man of faith and, and continues to, to live out that faith. And he's used football as a great uh, platform for him to do that. And uh, as they're talking about his life, he gets to a point in this movie where they're depicting him starting to make it and starting to come around. And he gets signed by uh, the arena team and he starts having some success. And after one of their games, they, they finished in the semifinals and they won and they're going to the, the Arena Bowl Championship. And you would think at the pinnacle of your game, you would be excited. And he's sitting in the movie they depicted, I'm not giving anything away, but he's sitting in the back of his truck with his mom. And it's just the two of them. And his mom says to him, we're supposed to be celebrating this. And Kurt says, you know, we strive to win every single game. But then when we win, it's not enough. And she said, well, yeah, it's always going to be that way. Because if you don't have anybody to share your wins with, what's the point? 
What's the point? And I thought about that today. I thought, if we have nobody to share life with, it is meaningless to be alone. Why? Because we're not created to be alone. Amen? We're not created to be on an island. It's meaningless to be alone. The second thing we need to see from our text this morning is this. Two are better than one. Two are better than one. What I like about this author's approach is that he says it's meaningless to be alone, but then he tells us what the benefits are to a relationship. Verse 9 says this, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? Here are some of the benefits that two is better than one. Two together brings this. It brings comfort. It brings comfort. How many of you like to do something hard, something dangerous, something scary, and you like to do that alone? Anybody? I remember as a kid growing up in in church, my dad was a pastor. I don't know if any of you realize this, but one of the scariest places on earth is a Saturday night in a dark church. Anybody else agree with that that's been around churches? Man, as a, as a little kid, I remember going to our, my dad would go on Saturday nights to get ready for, for Sunday morning, and sometimes we'd go with him and play in the gym or do whatever. And I remember it, we'd be turning off all the lights. And he would tell us, oh, I forgot to turn off that light in the hallway. Why don't you go do that? And I'd immediately look around and say, where's my brother or sister? Come with me. Why? Because we don't want to do things alone. Why? Because when we do something with somebody else, two are better than one, it brings us comfort. It brings us comfort that we know we're not in it alone. Somebody else is going through it with us. Two together brings comfort. Two together also brings this, it brings accountability. Do you have somebody in your life that cares so much about you and your friendship that no matter what you do in life, whether it's going to be something, something stupid or something great, they're going to call you and check you on it. If you don't have somebody like that, I want you to start praying right now. God, give me somebody that I can be accountable to. You might be sitting there thinking, no way. Accountability is hard. It is hard. But it will transform us. I have guys in my life that no matter what, I can call them at any point in time in the day, night, it doesn't matter, and I can say, how are you doing, really? How is your walk with the Lord? How is your marriage? How is your relationship with your kids? And I can speak into their life, and they to me. And I'm thankful for that, because two together brings accountability. It brings a, a sense of of. Iron sharpening iron. We need one another. We need each other that can come close to us even when we're wrong and they can say, hey, look in the mirror. Fix this. Get on top of this. I care about you too much to let you keep going this way. Two are better than one because the other person can help us to grow and be better than what we could be alone. Two together brings comfort. It brings accountability. And the third thing is it brings sharing. We could take this in many different ways this morning, but have you heard this saying, sharing is caring? I don't know about you, when I was little, I hated that. 
My report card read, does not share well with others. Sharing is caring. The Bible even talks about it. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. What Paul's saying here is that when things are good, find somebody to celebrate with. Amen? And that way, when things aren't so good, you got somebody there to hold your hand. Somebody that can come alongside you and mourn when you're mourned. Acts 2, 44-45, another way that two brings sharing. All the believers, the early church were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Why? Because the church was a place where everybody came together to help one another. They shared with one another. They celebrated with each other. They mourned with each other. When things were tough, they could sell things to come together and help meet a need. I'm here to tell you, we're about to enter a season as a church where things are going to get tough. We need each other. We need to share in that. When you're mad at me for leaving, you need somebody you can go to and say, man, I really don't like that guy right now. That's okay. You need that. And when... You go through this process and God begins to make it clear what's next and the next step and you begin to celebrate. You need to look across the aisle or across the pew and say, wow, isn't God still good? You need that. We must be able to share together. It's impossible to live life alone. Two are better than one. And finally, three is not a crowd. Because we are conquerors. Verse 12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You might hear that verse read and think, You know what, Pastor? I'm not at a place where I can be attacked, or I'm not in a war, or I'm not in a fight, or I'm not going through troubles right now. I don't, I don't know. That doesn't apply to me right now. I'm here to tell you, if you're still above the dirt, you may not be in a physical battle. You may not be at a place where somebody is beating you down and you continue to struggle from day to day. But I'm here to tell you, as long as you're still breathing air and as long as you're still kicking, you are going to face temptation. You are going to face opportunities for you to to stray from your walk with the Lord. You're going to find opportunities to be defeated where the enemy will attack you. He will try to still kill and destroy You've got to have somebody that you can stand with. With two, we can stand back to back and conquer. What does conquer really mean? I started thinking about that word. That's a really cool word, I think. Any word that has a Q in it, I kind of like that. Q is kind of an interesting letter in our alphabet. But it says we, are, we can conquer. What does conquer really mean? Because I think, well, conquer means we win, right? Well, it doesn't just mean win. This is what conquer means. Conquer means we demolish the enemy. 
Demolish. That's a very strong word. It's not just that we win by one point and we go home and celebrate. No, it's that we stuck our foot on the enemy's throat and we just kept pressing and pressing. You know who's somebody you can demolish? You can demolish the enemy. You never have to feel bad about continuing to punish the enemy. You want to take your hatred and your anger out on something? Do it to the enemy because he deserves it. Amen? We are conquerors. We can demolish the enemy when we have somebody with us. We are conquerors. Demolish means we defeat with meaning. There's purpose in our actions. There's purpose in conquering the enemy. So if two can conquer, then why do we need three? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I think about these times when we've had prayer meetings. Somebody says, if you, wanna, if you really want to see decline in your church, just call a prayer meeting. People wonder, well, why do we still have prayer meetings? Because prayer conquers the enemy. The Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered in his name, it doesn't say where two or three hundred. Some people think if we can't get a hundred people there, there's no purpose in it. That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we're two or three gather in my name. I remember there was times when we would call a prayer meeting. And I remember going to the church one night, and I told my wife, I wonder if we're going to be the only ones there. There were many times in, in, in our ministry where, thankfully, we were not the only ones there. But there was literally just two or three gathered. And I remember those nights because those were the nights that were real special. Because God's word becomes true. God's word begins to, to formulate. And when you begin to cling to that promise that where two or three gather in my name, we are more than conquerors. Matthew 18 says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them in my Father's name. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. In other words, I can agree with one other person and we can conquer the enemy. We can demolish him. We can defeat the enemy with meaning. But if you can get a third person, wow, you are not easily broken. There's power in three. There's power in more than two. There, three is not just a crowd. Three is a mighty fortress. Amen? Our approach here at Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene was that, you know, it's very true that you can do a lot for the Lord on your own. You have an influence that reaches your world like nobody else. What you do in your job, in your workplace, in your home, is something that only you can do. And I think we lose sight of that because we do make a difference as individuals. But when we're able to come alongside our brothers and sisters, there was a motto that, that was here more than four years ago. I remember talking with Pastor Greg as we were coming to 
interview here and begin the process. And he said, you know, one thing that we talk about is this. We say, we are better together. We are better together. And I will tell you that that continues to be true. We are better together. The church needs you. Look around. You need one another. You belong here. You were not meant to live in isolation. Two is far better than one, but with three, we can be conquerors. Amen? I want to close with this idea from the Hebrews writer in the New Testament. He writes in Hebrews chapter 10, very common, very, very well represented. You've probably heard this before, but let's read it again. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. A couple of things real quick. Let us consider how we can spur one another on. Folks, that's accountability. Well, you know, we're going through transition. I'm just going to wait and pick it back up when, when the new pastor gets there. That's when you get to step in and say, no, 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 not so fast. We need you. How can we spur one another on to love and good deeds? Here's, here's the really cool thing, and maybe I haven't done this enough as your pastor, and if not, I apologize, but what a better time to invite your friends to church than right now. We need each other. We need a place where we know we belong, a place that has a purpose that's bigger than ourselves, and we have friends and family that we can walk through this journey together and say, you know what? I want to spur you on to keep on keeping on. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't take a break, folks. Don't take a break right now from God. Now is not the time. You see, it's easy for us to rationalize Missing a week here or a class there or a small group. You know, they say when it takes about 22 days to start a new habit or to change a habit. I believe that. If you were getting next to the ready for the new year to start, many of you probably already set some goals, maybe even some resolutions. And uh, I know the gyms here in town will be peak, peak influx January 1. People will flood the gyms. Why? Because we have a new goal. We have something exciting to conquer and try to do together. It takes 22 days. If you, you'll go for 21 days. You know what? The gym memberships go up January 1, but they drop February 1 because people can't do it. But I'm here to tell you that if we, if we applied that same logic in the church, it doesn't take missing 21 Sundays to break a habit. Really, we, we meet one Sunday. If you come on Wednesdays, I mean, you miss 21 times. You missed half the year in church. It takes two or three. And it's easy to rationalize one or two. It's easy to get in the habit, well, I'm not going to go, or, or he's on the way out. I don't want to listen to him anymore. I'll just wait. No. Because once you get out of the habit, it's going to be harder to get back in. You need each other. You belong here. This is a place for real people. So I want to ask you today one simple question. Will you commit today to be part of the future 
here at PCN. Maybe you have habits that prevent you from committing. Maybe you have habits that that make it easy for you to, to rationalize being gone. Or you have excuses or reasons for not being here. Today is a day where you can commit to change those habits. 22 days, that means it takes more than Sundays, folks. That means it takes Monday through Saturday. So what habit can you start today that will help you to grow spiritually and relationally? What habit can you start today that will help you to stay committed to belonging to a place that values you? I want to encourage you, 22 days to grow. Start today. Start reading your Bible today, every day. 10 minutes a day for 22 days, I guarantee you God will speak to you. 22 days. Just give him 22 days. Start praying today for 22 days. Start praying. If, if you don't know, Pastor, I don't know what to pray. I don't, I don't have, I don't have a, we've done this before. We've had handouts. We've had tools for you. I don't have one of those for you today. But just start today. Start praying for your meal today. Start praying for your meal and thanking God every day. God, thank you for this blessing. 22 days, I guarantee you, if you start praying every day for 22 days, God will speak to you. I want to encourage you today, make one phone call. Send one message. Send that card to a person that you care about. Encourage them. Uplift them. Do it with no strings attached. 22 days. Send a message out for 22 straight days. I guarantee you, God will use you. You belong here. The church is a place to belong. PCN is a place to belong. You belong here. We're better together. I've loved being your pastor and I love what God is up to here at PCN. And I would love for you to take the next step of commitment and continue to make PCN a place where you belong. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes and in an attitude of prayer. Father God, we just uh, come to you and pause in this moment. You've challenged me over the years in my ministry, Lord, that there's meaning and purpose in what we do. And we preach, Lord, your word because you call us to respond to your word. You call us to be active participators in what we hear. So today, God, I, I trust you with this response time. And in this room and in those watching online, Lord, I just pray that in this moment you would prick our hearts for what you're trying to do. You would remind us of your love, of your grace, of your mercy, of your acceptance. And that we found that through relationships with those in the church. So today, God, I pray 
for this body of Christ that is PCN. That you would help us to commit to making PCN a place where we belong. Not because it's a great facility, not because we have great programming, but because we truly believe it's a place for real people to have real relationships and have real encounters with God. So God, I pray for each and every one of us that as, as, as we walk out of this place today, we would renew our commitment to you first and foremost, and we would trust you as you guide us each step of the way. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for the truth of your word today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great day.